0: Welcome to Unedited, our fortnightly podcast where we explore the opportunities and challenges that are facing the retail industry. Brought to you by myself, Grace Hill, and Diana Bang. From fashion, beauty, and
1: homeware, Grace and I will cover industry topics and shed light on how retailers can create a brighter future.
0: Merry Christmas and happy holidays, Diana. I guess this is it for 2020. What a wild year. And our very last episode. I guess what a year it's been. I mean, I can't bear to say the C word once more. It's um, not. <laughs> but yeah it's it's definitely being a wild ride what are you up to for Christmas what are your plans
1: well I'm in the Lake District right now so just got here before tier three lockdown but I'm just going to be very just my mom and my brother very small keeping it Not to a
0: big party. What about you? Yeah, I'm going to be just having a a small Christmas this year with my immediate family. But yeah, going back to the Isle of Wight, so a Tier One Christmas for me, which is exciting. Don't really know what to expect. It feels like a whole, uh, whole new world. Um, Won the lockdown
1: lottery with Tier One.
0: I know, I know. I mean, being born and raised on the Isle of Wight has definitely come into its own as a teenager, I found it very boring and and annoying, but now heading into my thirties, I can appreciate having that as where I grew up.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, everything here in Lake District is obviously in a different tier. So we're doing an alpaca walk tomorrow. So we're going to go for a walk with some alpacas.
0: How country file of you. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yes. But yeah, I mean, I guess this is the end of the year. Like you said, looking into 2021, Pantone have just released their new colors of 2021, which is ultimate gray and illuminating yellow. So a message of happiness supported by fortitude. I guess that describes it in a really good way, doesn't it?
0: I hope yeah. so. <laughs> the strength and positivity that's required for the year ahead. And I'm um, quite nicely
1: into our into our topic for this episode.
0: Yeah. So in this episode we are going to be discussing the top trends of 2020 and what that means for 2021. But before we get started, we wanted to thank all of you our loyal and new listeners that have joined us on this journey this year. It really means a lot to us that you tune in for every episode and we really hope that you continue listening into 2021.
1: It really does and to help us analyze the year and the next year, we welcome not one, but two of our retail analysts here edited to the podcast, Eva Byrne and Krista Corgan. Merry Christmas and welcome to the podcast, guys. How are you? How's New York, Krista? and how's Dublin? Eva?
2: Thank you. Yeah, New York is good. Everything's good here, just preparing for a uh, holidays coming up.
3: Yeah, all good in Dublin here. Yeah, it's a um, lovely rainy day here, but um, yeah, doing good. Thanks for preparing for Christmas as well.
0: Have you guys got anything nice planned for Christmas? Not on my end. I mean, pretty small.
2: I think it looks a lot different than we expected. But similar <laughs> to Thanksgiving, just my immediate family going to get together. And it'll be nice to be together and inside for a bit and at least get to see them.
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah. I'm just going to keep it kind of small this year. But yeah, the main thing is we'll
3: kind of be together and stuff. being quite careful. But yeah, we'll, you know, get the Christmas dinner and it's going to be good
0: the story of 2020, I guess. So so as we know, 2020 has been a real anomaly year. So it'd be great to kick off with the events that have really had the greatest impact on this year's retail landscape.
2: Yeah, I think you can't mention 2020 without also talking about the pandemic. Undoubtedly, that's been the biggest event that's had a huge impact on 2020. And with that has come a wave of lockdowns. We've seen retailers trying to navigate the most updated rules and restrictions, and really just trying to continue to connect with their customer, regardless if the stores are open, if the stores were closed, how they can safely deliver products. So the pandemic, and you know, in the middle of the year as well, while we were going through lockdowns, we also saw the Black Lives Matter movement come really to the fore, and quite a few social injustices happening around the world, and especially in the United States. So I think on top of an already tumultuous year, that was something that also, you know, retailers really needed to be aware of and educate and continue to, to work on. And that impact, we'll get into it a little later, but that trickling down also had a huge effect on 2020.
3: Yeah. And definitely we also saw um, Black Friday looking um, very different this year, you know, slightly impacted as well by the ELM movement. So like a lot of retailers kind of like shunned their original messaging. A lot of people kind of put more focus on giving Day instead. Um, we saw brands like Pretty Little Thing instead go for a totally different color. They went for Pink Friday. And then there's also been like some record breaking retail events. Um, there was the biggest singles day ever and um, the completely edged on Amazon Prime Day as well
1: maybe that there's more people that were on their own or being able to take advantage of the like communication promotions that were out there for themselves and having more time to kind of interact with them and research and communicate with brands. Totally. From your perspective, how did you see retailers adapt in 2020 and maybe looking more at the positive side of things? What were the positive opportunities that were born out of
3: these circumstances? Yeah. I mean, I think there's definitely been lots of opportunities this year. I think people like, really used the pandemic to kind of like accelerate like online growth and things maybe they've been kind of looking at already. But yeah, there was like a lot of virtual try ons MS rolled out some contactless bra measuring services and stores with the basically train fitters that were kind of like advised from a distance. Browns started using AR in their mobile app. So customers are able to try on footwear. And yeah, we also saw the cosmetic industry like really leaning into that idea as well. So people really kind of got creative and kind of really, it was like a really heightened focus on omni-channel and turbocharging online growth.
2: Yeah, I think to Aoife's point, retail does a really great job of always operating from a customer first perspective. And so whether it was keeping consumers safe within the stores, implementing those types of measures to prevent the spread of COVID and just really instill confidence in the consumer to come back and keep shopping with them. So, you know, even things like no contact deliveries and investment in different technologies and augmented reality, just to really heighten the consumer's confidence in what they're buying, especially if they're not getting to see it, feel it, touch it. So that was a really huge one, I think, this year.
3: Yeah, we also saw like a lot of growth. Obviously, like PPE has gone completely mainstream now, so like all that kind of like personal safety stuff, like masks, are definitely kind of here to stay, I think now. And we kind of saw people get kind of quite innovative in terms of like fabrics. We saw Christopher Kane launch the first antiviral face mask. Burberry launched that luxury kind of face shield. And yeah, we also saw um, like in the mass market, Boohoo they released a lot of like snood hoodies and like these kind of dresses with built-in face masks. So people really kind of like got creative and tapped into that market as well.
0: It's so funny, isn't it? Because I feel like I was looking at Val and Vic, like as I was thinking of like weddings for next year and dresses that I would love to wear, even though they're very expensive, but they had like red silk matching face masks to go with their dresses. And I was thinking, oh my God. Yes. I mean,
2: even if you look at Express um, for menswear, they'll take fabrics that were meant for bow ties and, and neckties. And they'll have they'll offer the bow tie or the necktie and then use the fabric to also make a matching face mask. Right. To see how retailers are getting creative, especially now that they've had some time to think about it and design products specifically to be worn, you know, outside safety first amid the pandemic.
0: It really is like the essential accessory, isn't it? For 2020. So obviously, footfall has been a huge struggle for retailers this year across the board with endless store closures and dipping in and out of lockdowns and different restrictions. So what tactics are you guys seeing retailers implementing to get their customers back into store? And how are they kind of comforting and restoring confidence within their consumer base as well? Sure. I think,
2: you know, we talked about the pandemic and and most retailers now have gotten this down to a science of how can we keep the consumer safe while returning in store. So it's not really anymore about what can we do in the store, because I think we're seeing merchandise spread out, sanitation and all those things coming to light. But now it's really about moving forward. How can we keep the customer coming back? So things like extending discounts and returns in stores, I think that's a huge thing that's going to continue retailers really will need to be flexible with what the consumer is comfortable with. And that includes things like quarantining clothing after they try it on in the store and some different measures and methods in the store that they wouldn't normally adhere to. But I think if you want to keep that customer, retailers are really going to have to be flexible around what they're allowing the customer to do. And that's just going to create a good experience and keep them coming back
3: yeah for sure i think like just accommodating the customer and kind of building up that trust again and offering an experience as well that they they can't get online you know obviously depending on you know vaccines and everything but offering you know in-store events deals and services like doing in-store monogramming wrapping things like that yeah i think just like offering something different and putting power kind of in the in the customer's hands
1: I had that with H&M where they had their online cyber event. And then after the online version, I got a notification that they were doing in-store discounts only. But right underneath the notification, it was like, we are putting these measures in place to make you feel safe while shopping. And when I went into the store, the person at the front of the entrance had almost like a script that he had ready of going through all <laughs> the precautions to take. So
0: I think that I experienced the full online to in-store customer journey, I guess. (laughs) I know, I think it's wild that like in, I've not really had any experiences of retail stores where you have been able to try on product, but the fact that some stores are quarantining product for 72 hours before you can try that on. I'm so interested to understand more about how they're managing their inventory and and kind of visual presentation and merchandising, knowing that so much stock is going to be probably being sanitized or quarantined
2: (laughs) right for like three days because I've personally been in a couple stores where you have been able to try on and they you basically when you leave the fitting room just put everything in a big bin but there's so many clothes sitting in there And I guess with more limited space on the floor and with spreading out merchandise, maybe they're able to make it work with making the store look more full because they have to distance the racks and things like that. Mm -hmm. But it is so interesting to think about now you can't sell that for an entire three days after someone's tried it on.
1: Yeah. I've definitely seen people try on in front of the mirror in the stores, though. But I don't know if some stores are more like allowing that and others aren't. I think that might be slightly
0: illegal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like when people get... are like throwing on like skirts on top of their trousers to see if it fits.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it goes without saying that 2020, the wardrobe consisted of loungewear and sleepwear. I'm actually wearing a dress today, so I'm not in my, my leggings, which is quite new. But it'd be interesting to hear how we see the 2021 wardrobe shifting, especially for hero pieces and categories.
3: Yeah, I think, I think going forward, there's going to kind of be two types of customer that's going to emerge. I think, you know, on one side, there's going to be a type of customer who's, you know, just raring to get back out there, wants to go to their festivals, wants to just travel no matter what, you know, and I think for them, escapism and more kind of, you know, going out clothes and stuff is going to become important again. But I also think there's going to be, you know, the consumer that's, you know, gotten quite used to the home-centric lifestyle and also has really, you know, embraced comfort and, you know, is reluctant maybe to let go of the sweatpants. So I think catering to both customers is going to be really key in 2021. And I think for women's wear anyway, I think like focus on fabrics is going to be quite important. We kind of saw that this year with, in kind of, again, two veins, we saw, you know, anti-back, anti-viral kind of innovation within fabrics. And then we also saw comfort fabrics become very important. So like cashmere and fleece and like super soft, Supima cotton, things like that. I think customers really looked to those kind of like fabrics to, you know, get comfy and feel kind of protected in their little bubble. I think versatility will be very much key. I think seamless leggings that are good for around the house, but also for running errands and like working out. Bralettes that are going to double as, you know, going out tops, but also lounge wear. Also, like we saw chill on dresses like be a really big thing this year or yeah, this year and last year. And, you know, kind of more trend-led sweats as well. Because yeah, we're not getting rid of those anytime soon.
2: Yeah, I think... Eva brought up a fantastic point. It's the same in menswear too, versatility. And you're going to hear that theme, I think, a lot throughout 2021. And it's interesting to look and see how different retailers are accommodating that customer. And, and as Eva said, you're going to have two totally different, you know, depending on what they're comfortable with, two totally different types. But even in menswear, we saw a lot of people looking to the outdoors and escapism and staycations and We've already seen, you know, that influence in menswear with more of an outdoorsman gardener type utility look and some different, some different trends that they can wear, you know, on the weekends or they can wear going out. They could wear it on a hike, something like that. So seeing those pieces and those staple pieces that they can wear across multiple occasions, I think is going to be huge. Polo shirts have been also a really big thing in menswear and turtleneck sweatshirts, these pieces that can act as loungewear and are comfortable, but also will transition if they want to go somewhere on the weekend, you know, looking into the next year and and they can wear it for future occasions.
0: I think that's the thing, right? Isn't it? It's not going to be a flick of a switch into 2021 and suddenly everyone is going to be on holiday and wearing sequins from head to toe. It's going to be the fact there's going to be two customers, people that want to hold on to that sweatpant lifestyle, like you guys said, but there's obviously still going to be very much that demand for when things start to lift. So obviously, like the typical trend funnel that we see is obviously runway, we see Instagram and influencers on holiday or street style, and obviously all those things changed in 2020. So it'd be great to understand more about how the trend funnel shifted and what the new normal for runway is actually going to look like next year.
3: Yeah. So like it was really exciting, but also strange kind of runway season, wasn't it? So we kind of Again, like we saw in retail, we saw brands really like pushing the boundaries and get experimental. Fidgetal was a real buzzword. So kind of blending the physical with digital. Louis Vuitton was a good one there. He, you know, had a live audience, but he also integrated 360 degree cameras that audiences at home could swivel to look at the models coming down the runway. And we saw people kind of become quite playful. So Machino had their show was like a puppet show with like little Anna Wintour marionettes and things like that. So Yes, there was some really interesting takes on the runway this season. And obviously, kind of sustainability was really at the fore as well. Not only because, you know, smaller carbon footprint, because there were so many less people traveling, but also um, loads of brands were using like upcycling and dead stock materials, stuff like that, because, you know, they kind of had less materials kind of like at hand because of the pandemic. And yeah, in terms of the, the trend funnel, it was really interesting this year because I kind of think it was flipped on its head a little bit because you know the kind of loungewear trend was more so started on Instagram and retail kind of you know these areas that can be a little bit more reactive and proactive and I kind of feel like runway was playing a little bit of catch-up because you know we saw masses of comfort and casualization on the runway this season with you know slippers and sweatpants and stuff but it was kind of you know, it felt a little bit behind the times by that point. However, it was still interesting to see like luxury takes on it and stuff. But yeah, it's, it's quite interesting how that's kind of like flipped around. And we saw as well, like some of the biggest trends of this year actually came from, you know, TikTok. There was, you know, cottagecore, dark academia, like, to be honest, like much more kind of interesting trends actually stem from TikTok than the runway in some ways. So yeah, so that's been really interesting.
2: I almost feel like it's been a long time coming in a way for the luxury market and runway. I think for so long, it's gotten away with being so extravagant. And when you talk about sustainability, you really don't mention luxury and runway quite as much as you do with some of these other brands that that really have started and have a platform of sustainability in their ethos. So I think it almost seems like it forced the luxury market to really think about that and To, like Aoife just mentioned, less travel, reduce their carbon footprint, and things like that. And even with menswear, I mean, we've been seeing that line blurred for a while when you look at some of these streetwear labels and hype brands that really then have trickled into the runway. And we're starting to see the streetwear brands dictate the trends and the runway, you know, trying to catch up. So I think it's been a really interesting trajectory to see how that's been going so far in 2020.
1: Mm. And also with like Montclair, just acquiring Stone Island and seeing luxury players go into that street side and, um, it, yeah, no, it's really interesting to hear how they are engaging with influencers now with travel bands, because we spoke to the style director at Women's Wear Daily in one of our previous podcasts about this. And the, the Fendi pasta that we spoke about that Fendi sent to their influencers ahead of the runway shows was amazing that he had that on the table and was about to have some pasta from Fendi right after the podcast. <laughs> but with all this uncertainty in the air, as to how normal 2021 will truly be. It'd be great to hear what the biggest runway trends to back in spring, summer 21 will be.
3: So yeah, I me and Chris were actually talking about this yesterday and it's quite interesting because a lot of the, the trends for women's wear are also seen on the menswear runway. So yeah, so Nautical was like a really big one and um, we saw kind of like shell prints at Versace and Stella McCartney which really tapped into escapism, you know, everyone was kind of like homebound this year so I think I think that's why that trend kind of like arose and that was also seen on, within menswear as well.
2: Yeah, I think you're going to see a lot of outdoor and nature influences coming into spring 2021, particularly. So even with menswear, Bermuda shorts and striped shirts and things that are more light, you can kind of wear anywhere, but they they are not too fast fashion with that nautical trend for men. Another one, and Aoife kind of mentioned it before coming down from TikTok, but this idea of vintage femme, you know, this really beautiful feminism is coming into menswear and we're seeing these silky and lightweight fabrics and florals and very whimsical designs. And you think, you know, as far as influencers go, or, or people who are leading the charge with this style, at least for me, like Harry Styles, Sean Mendez, some of these icons that are in the media, and they are really embracing some more feminine touches with their dressing and when it comes to, to their style. And, you know, we, we're seeing that all over social media as well. Mm-hmm. And Really, uh, an aesthetic that's emerged from from places like TikTok and Instagram and things like that.
0: The Shawn Mendes documentary. Have you watched that? <laughs> <laughs> His long curly hair looks great. <laughs> yeah,
2: but I watched him perform. I love it. I think it was the VMAs or the AMAs, one of the two, two weeks ago, and he had this, you know, unbuttoned like silky white shirt all the way down, and these big flared trousers, and he was performing in this very like romantic stage setting, and it was just, it was a whole vibe that I was. Totally on board with. I thought it was so board.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I think the confidence, isn't it? That they it just there's something about that confidence and being able to take on those
2: breaking out of the the gender restriction or the gender norms that I think we've adhered to for so long. It's like finally we're seeing, you know, men especially like embrace that and move away from it and kind of embrace who they are.
0: Krista, in terms of that vintage FEM theme, are there particular key items that you envision that trend really being kind of important to include in in retailers' collections and like what products lend themselves best to covering that trend? Yeah, sure. You know, as I mentioned,
2: shirting is a huge one. So button-down shirts and really thinking of lightweight, sheer, silky, those types of fabrics. Mm -hmm. Prints will be huge on those. So florals and polka dots, detailing like ruffles, those types of things. And I think it's such a you know, shirting has seen such a skyrocketing success in 2020 with Zoom being a huge part of our life and really people dressing from the top up and caring about how they look, you know, there. So I think shirting is going to be a huge one. Really wide fit trousers, again, very loose fabrics, flowy fabrics, nothing too restricting. Accessories are going to be huge. So pearls, (laughs) gloves, (laughs) <laughs> things like that for men. It's, you know, earrings, we're seeing a lot more men wearing jewelry right now. It's, it's those yeah. types of embracing little feminine details and touches mm-hmm. that are going to be huge for 2021.
0: Amazing.
3: We also saw on the runway, a lot of kind of these two kind of opposing themes of place. So we saw on one hand minimalism. So, you know, following the 2008 recession, that was a really huge trend to kind of bubble up after that. So, you know, kind of more subtle branding, clean lines, classic colour palettes. So I think that's definitely going to be a really safe bet for retailers next year. I think, you know, kind of oversized blazers. Actually, this could work really well for um, unisex assortments as well. Again, kind of like wide fit, high-waisted trousers, simple tees, but all in kind of premium fabrics where possible. And then on the other hand, we saw um, maximalism, which kind of taps into the escapism we talked about earlier as well. So that was more, you know, bright colors. There was like a lot of neons. We saw a Balmain and then, you know, sequins and party wear, sparkle, things like that. So I think minimalism will definitely be the kind of safer bet, but, you know, elements of kind of that maximalist aesthetic will be really important as well.
2: Yeah, I definitely agree. I think, and we saw something similar too back in, in the late recession, this move away from oversized branding and in your face like this is what i'm wearing and really a more subtle take on a lot of the trends and i think we're starting to already see that things like monochrome dressing you know before i think it might have been a bit taboo to wear like an entire navy outfit and now it's cool if every everything you're wearing is the same color and kind of goes together and matches so very minimalist looks for men subtle brandings high quality fabrics investment pieces, things along those lines for men's, which kind of goes against the next trend that we're seeing, which is really a return to early 2000s nostalgia. So you think of those, you know, and especially in women's wear, but even for men's wear, you think of different like denim looks and things that for a while were, you know, went away and in 2010 and on went away, we're now seeing a return in and the consumer purchasing those trends.
3: Yeah, nostalgia has been so huge for the past few years. And I guess like the clock has kind of been creeping closer as the years have kind of gone by. So now we're kind of in the naughty phase. So Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you guys have all seen the Kim Kardashian, like wearing the exposed palm dress and ASOS actually hopped on that trend very quickly with their own line, ASU. And yeah, and Weekday have also bought into that already. So that is, um, although it's probably a bit controversial, that's definitely been something that we've seen on the runway and already filtering into the mass market colors like purples pinks blacks a lot of crop tops um, and distressed denim low-rise denim and so yeah some things that maybe won't be so welcome for some but you know great for great for Gen Z and the younger kind of consumer
0: yeah I'm not sure I'm too keen to get a low-rise pair of jeans out (laughs) (laughs) I don't know well back then we yeah thought it looked like incredible and amazing but Especially not with doing any exercise over lockdown, that is for sure.
3: (laughs) So yeah, we also saw some really strong colour stories on the runway. So I guess positive palettes kind of sums it up quite well. So um, across men's and women's wear, we saw a lot of pastels. Pastels have been huge this year, but for the for spring 2021, we saw a lot of kind of washed out, kind of more subtle takes on this. And then the other side, we saw, you know, we got saw neons, we saw oranges, we saw fuchsia and apple green has been quite a big one as well that's been bubbling up. So that's definitely one to watch for the coming year as well.
2: Yeah, I think definitely people are looking for some sort of something to make them feel good, make them feel happy. And I think colours, especially in fashion, can easily do that. So even in menswear, we're seeing a lot of that, those positive oranges, pinks, yellows, pastels, uh, Aoife mentioned it, but I think pastels have you know been bubbling up for quite a few years now, but on the spring 2021 runway, they were huge. So that's a very big area of investment. And then on the flip side of that, neutrals and earthy tones and kind of this return to something that's a little bit more calming. I think we can all probably relate to You know, seeking some sort of comfort and calm amongst this year and and through all this, so we're definitely going to see that continue, and that really lends itself well too to some outdoors adventure themes that I mentioned that we've been seeing in menswear, so utility looks and cargo pants and anoraks and you know utility vests and things like that 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 he's really returning to and that serve both a fashion, but also functional purpose in his day-to-day life. And then again, with colors, I think loungewear, everybody's probably sick of hearing it, but it's not going anywhere anytime soon. So those, you know, sweat sets and cohort sets, jogger shorts for menswear, things that again, it's in, especially in early spring when it's cold and, you know, you want to be cozy and comfortable, really those soft fabrics, those you know hoodies and sweatpants and things that he can wear inside are going to be a really big investment for 2021.
1: I think my, my partner's taken it to the extreme with the versatility and loungewear because he's just gone out in the bathrobe and put the coat over the bathrobe with boots <laughs> on to go and, and get something in the car. So <laughs> maybe he thinks that people will just think that's, that's just the trend now. No
0: <laughs> <laughs> so guys, obviously like the most kind of confident piece of positive news and information that we've kind of heard this year about things returning to a new normal was the Pfizer vaccine. And how do you feel that's changed our outlook on retail in 2021?
2: Yeah, it's funny. Eva and I were just discussing this yesterday and I think two words came to mind and we both said conservative optimism. I think nobody can really predict what it's going to look like and when you know everyone's going to have a vaccine and when everyone's going to be comfortable returning this is completely uncharted territory so i think everyone's hopeful for 2021 but you know erring on the side of caution so you know that really comes down to preparing for both scenarios but i think you know some of these more trend led retailers are going to have a little bit of hope for consumers wanting to dress up again You know, we talked about that one consumer type that's going to come out of this, who's excited to get back to quote unquote normal and holidays and dress up for something, even if it's just, you know, out to dinner with your friends and family. So it's a hopeful outlook for 2021, but again, things have been so up and down, you never know what is going to come. So it's just a little bit tougher to predict.
0: It highlights the importance of that versatility point that you guys made earlier as well, right? Because it could go either way and making sure your product enables you to flip either either direction dependent on how it turns out.
1: And on, on the flip side, I guess you were mentioning about caution, and I love that conservative optimism, I guess, trend that we might see. What do you see being the biggest challenges for retail in 2021?
3: So, yeah, so I think... Again, back to the kind of two types of consumer we see emerging, I think getting the assortment right will be really challenging for retailers. You know, I think we're already seeing quite a saturated market now in terms of loungewear. And I think, you know, going into 2021, it's probably going to tip into oversaturation. So I think just getting the balance right is definitely going to be a huge challenge. We saw this year, you know, retailers kind of pivoting to kind of meet these challenges. So like costs, they pivoted from, you know, quite formal minimalist wear to, they launched like an active wear collection. We saw Birkenstock going into skincare, like people are kind of really having to diversify and yeah, getting the mix right is definitely going to be quite challenging.
2: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think it's going to come down to, as Eva just said, product and promotion. I think those are going to be the two areas that are going to be really key to getting right, but will also be the toughest. When lockdown started and the pandemic first started in the beginning of this year, we saw a lot of retailers scrambling with inventory levels and discounts and really just like throwing spaghetti at the wall trying to see what would stick and what was what promotion was going to drive the consumer to purchase and in 2021 you're going to be up against all of those promotions and all of that business so i think it's really retraining your customer on your promotional strategy and developing a cadence that is you know going to carry you forward rather than trying to match what they did last year because it was such an anomaly of a year that you can't really you know benchmark against it whatsoever
0: and i know kind of the word omnichannel has been a huge buzzword in recent years when referring to retail and obviously businesses have had to pivot on their kind of business models and distribution strategies massively in 2020 so what does this word mean in 2021
3: yeah. So, I mean, I guess it kind of goes like saying that the focus on online is going to be absolutely huge going forward. So the McKinsey State of Retail report this year had a really interesting statistic. They said that Seventy-one percent of fashion executives now expect their online business to grow by twenty percent or more in 2021. So, definitely, there is going to be you know huge growth and focus there. You know, having a seamless online experience from start to finish. And um, we've also seen a lot of retailers put a lot of emphasis on their mobile apps this year. So we can kind of expect some more improvements there. And yeah, just like blending online and offline is going to be really, really important for omnichannel and in terms of. Kind of opportunities. Live streaming has been really, really massive in China. And I think there's probably some really good opportunities there for retailers going forward, fusing shopping and entertainment.
2: Yeah, I think because, you know, brick and mortar for so long was the main avenue of shopping. Often when we think of omni-channel, we think of e-com and how our brands and retailers, you know, shaping that experience for the consumer to give, as Eva mentioned, a seamless experience all around. But now, you know, we often forget about that brick and mortar piece. And I think that's going to be what is going to be so interesting next year is to see you know how the landscape has changed. What stores are still operating? Have they changed strategy? Did they open and return you know back to normal pre-pandemic? So I think the brick and mortar part of it is going to be huge. It's crazy to think in the US, you know, in 2019, 9,500 stores closed. And in 2020, that could be as many as 25,000. So this growth and, and and this, you know, I guess, volatile change in the retail landscape is going to be massive. So we're going to see some stores closing, but as well as, you know, our stores pivoting and what are retailers doing with that store space? Are they prioritizing maybe an in-store experience next year? Are they, you know, doing something creative or something different with that space? I think, you know, we were talking a lot yesterday too, Aoife and I, about pop-ups and how this, you know, while it's very sad and you never want to see a store close, it could open the door for an up-and-coming brand to rent out that store space and open a pop-up experience and give the consumer, you know, something that they're excited to come in and do. So, you know, that's a two-pronged approach, definitely e-com and brick and mortar, but I think both are going to see massive changes next year.
1: Mm-hmm. Those numbers are huge, Krista. 9,500 in 2019 versus potentially 25,000 in 2020. Yeah, it's interesting to hear how it's pushing retailers to innovate and maybe look at channels that they can engage with customers outside of store, social media as well, collaborating with other types of channels. So we know social media has been huge in 2020. Can I just say Kylie Jenner gets $1.27 million per Instagram post? Isn't that?
2: Close my mind. Yeah.
1: 23 years old anyway, but we know it's been huge. So how do you guys see social media? What's the role to play this year? And how do you see influencer marketing shifting in 2021?
2: Yeah. I know Aoife mentioned like seeing some, you know, the trend funnel and she talked about seeing some of these trends that trickle down now from, you know, social media and TikTok rather than from the runway and I think we're going to continue to see that in 2021. So these you know, subcultures have started to emerge, especially on TikTok. And I don't know if you guys are on TikTok. I know I have an account and try to be cool and like figure out what Gen Z and younger consumers are doing, but I still feel completely lost. But you're seeing these different communities emerge. So we talked about the femme aesthetic, e-boys. So gaming is so big for teen boys and in menswear. So this rise of, you know, it's almost like a community and they have, you know, a certain their own fashion trends and they relate to each other and and basically play video games. And it's something I'm so unversed in, but it's it's interesting to see dark academia we've mentioned in these varsity looks, cottagecore core and the idea of escapism and being outside in the countryside and embracing the outdoors. So I think, you know, more than anything, Gen Z, especially, and these younger consumers are going to start to look to social media as their primary source of what they should be wearing and the trends they should be buying.
3: Yeah, totally. And I think going forward, like we already saw this year, TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook all launched their own in-app shopping. So I think social commerce is also just going to really boom in 2021, like making it just like super easy for your customer to like shop your product basically on your mobile phone, like while on these apps and admiring these trends.
0: Totally. I love it now when you like get on Instagram and you click something and you can actually see and go directly to that retailer's website. I think it removes that friction, right? And that discovery process of having to try and find out where these products are from and, and where you can buy them. So 2019 was defined by sustainability. 2020 was defined by coronavirus. How do you see sustainability progressing? Or how did you see it progressing in 2020? And and how do you see it evolving into
3: 2021? Yeah, so um, to have a really, really strong start about this. So they've reported that this market is expected to hit 64 billion in the next five years, which is absolutely huge. So resale has been really increasing in popularity in the past few years. This year, we saw Lando and Cost. they both launched their own secondhand resale platforms and Depop of course has like just taken off in an absolutely huge way especially with the Gen Z consumer who kind of favours more sustainable shopping practices so yeah so it's definitely going to be that's going to be a huge market and Runway as I mentioned earlier as well the kind of continued digital presence of that and the use of dead stock materials and repurposed materials that's definitely going to contribute to sustainability in 2021 going forward as well H&M has been really proactive on this front. Their conscious exclusive collection for fall, they debuted two new eco-friendly fabrics. There was Nea Renew and Hemp Biofiber. So they're completely new eco-friendly products. So super, super exciting on that front.
2: Yeah. It was crazy the amount of retailers that were even in emails throughout this year, communicating and being very transparent on how they were using some of the fabrics that they had that they might've planned for a specific collection that was no longer going to be relevant. So they quickly pivoted and made face masks and bandanas and like face scarves and different things that you could wear for protection when you're out. So I think we're definitely going to continue to see that. And then, you know, even in 2021, this whole idea of a capsule wardrobe, I think the consumer is so much more conscious and aware of what they're purchasing, especially after this year. So really investing in high quality versatile pieces that they can wear in multiple different occasions. We've continue to talk about versatility. So that's going to be a huge theme next year. Just in you know from fast fashion to, to really any brand, it's really thinking about how can you incorporate and infuse some of these classic iconic pieces into your assortment The consumer knows that they can go to you for that they can always buy that will last them, you know, more than just the season that you're currently in.
1: Similar to what we were speaking in the last podcast about with the conscious discounting and giving people time or maybe some transparency of what they're going to be discounting before they do. So you can actually have time to think rather than the stress of the like quick thinking of buying products and then returning it like Zara sharing the prices before they actually went on sale. But looking forward again to 2021, what events and opportunities are actually planned for 2021. I'm not one of those... Glastonbury people but I wish I was you know one of those cool people that go to Glastonbury so I I actually don't know what's happening next year but what do retailers need to prepare for and how can they mitigate risk in the event
3: that it doesn't go ahead? Yeah so I also must confess I've never been to Glastonbury however it is slated to go ahead next year so that's actually one of the few festivals that has confirmed that they will be going ahead with it yeah they had to cancel their 50th celebration this year sadly so I think they're definitely very determined to make it happen next year So, yeah, so again, I think the kind of first step is making sure that you have a plan A and plan B and, you know, that versatility word again, having a multi-end use to your product. So, yeah, so buying into versatile trends and, you know, in the event of them not going ahead, being able to act fast and reposition these, you know, whether it's for a garden party or a living room festival. This season, we saw a lot of retailers utilizing their tie dye within loungewear edits, which were, you know, originally kind of meant to be more festival leaning. So yeah, so just kind of being as reactive as possible with your trend edits and making pieces really easy for your customers to to find and shop.
2: Yeah, I think, um, IFA covered like the festivals and things like that. The Olympics is, I think, one that we're all interested and are really hoping happens next year, but definitely going to go forward with that. I think that's a pretty safe one in some capacity to to plan for, and especially the trends that come out of that. So when you think of the Olympics, you think of sports and leisure wear and track suits and graphics Mm -hmm. and baseball caps, things that have already been bubbling up across men's and women's wear as trends, but those are going to be really safe and easy things to back for next year ahead of the Olympics. And we mentioned, you know, versatility. So how can you procure create an edit on your website that might, you know, be patriotic and be in your country's colors and the consumer can buy it ahead of the Olympics or celebrate, and then they can still wear that. And it's not a one and done kind of use. So The Olympics are going to be another big event to watch out for next year.
0: So our final question normally is where we ask our guests, what's the one thing that they want our listeners to take away from this episode? And I think I can answer that based on all the conversations, which is versatility. But we want to hijack it with, will retail return to normal in 2021? And what resources would you recommend our listeners leveraging to best prepare for it?
3: Yeah. So, I mean, it's very difficult to say, but I think I think the market will still be recovering in 2021. And, you know, retail is going to be facing continued challenges in terms of kind of slow vaccine rollouts, um, cautious shoppers, tightened budgets, things like that. So the second half of the year, we're quite optimistic about, but we can't really expect an immediate return to normalcy. Yeah.
2: I think all the We can do is, you know, be as proactive as possible. I think that's where resources like edited really come into play. I mean, even today, edited is tracking 89 million products and 5,500 retailers. So it allows you to stay on the pulse, no matter who your competitor is, who you're interested in looking at, leveraging some online resources like that are key. And then really, which, you know, just staying on top of the market, paying attention to what's happening in the news, in pop culture, Those are really where huge influences on trends and really anything are trickling down from. So it's paying attention to what your consumer is paying attention to. And I think that's going to be a huge recipe for success next year.
1: We know it's been really important for our customers to have access to real-time data at a time like this when everything's uncertain. So, yeah, exactly. But it's been great. I guess this is, you know, our last episode of the year. So, Krista, Nifa, thank you so much. It's, um, it's been wonderful having you on, on this last episode. So many insightful facts that you shared with us.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for joining. It was so interesting. Mm-hmm. As a listener of ours, we are here to support you as we enter a new and hopefully more positive year in 2021. If you're a customer of Edited, please contact your dedicated account manager and retail strategist and they'll do everything they can to support you. For all of our listeners, thank you so much for all of your support this year. It has definitely been one to remember and we appreciate every single one of you and hope that you join us for more episodes in 2021.
1: Thank you for listening to Unedited. If you've enjoyed today's conversation with Aoife and Krista, please make sure you subscribe to keep in the loop with future episodes. And please tell your friends or family about us. Happy holidays. Bye.